Hey, we're doing something a little different this morning. Um, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So we want to go ahead and just preach a message to you um, from both of us, something that the Lord really has put on our hearts for ever, and mainly on Stephanie's heart. She loves this topic. Um, yeah, it's, I feel like it's maybe because I'm a girl. I, since I was a little girl, I've been such a hopeless romantic. You can ask my mom. Like, I was a little girl watching Say Yes to the Dress, like planning my wedding. <laughs> so love has been such a big, huge topic on my heart. And um, obviously, when I became a little more mature, I, it was a pursuit of mine to understand godly love. Um, because we all know, you know, the world has their own idea of love and they've really perverted it. Um, you know, to them, love is a, um, I guess, more of a, a feeling or, um, you know, people come up with the weirdest things about <laughs> what they think love is. And you see how they've perverted it with, you know, um, divorce, you know, I, I don't love my spouse anymore, so I'm gonna divorce them. Um, homosexuality, you know they don't have an accurate understanding of love because they don't know God and God is love and we know that. So um, we yeah. wanted to give you guys some godly advice <laughs> on God's kind of love. Absolutely. Today. Yes, and I mean, we all know the scripture from John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he did something about it, right? He didn't just... He didn't just say it. He didn't just tell us in a letter. He did something about it. And so I believe the best type of love that we can pull from is his love. It is the love that, that we need to have, not just in a uh, marriage, but in everything. All of our life we have. And there's four different types of love that we see in scripture. There's um, the love, it, it, in the Greek word, it's storge, which is um, it's a separate, it's not agape love. So there's storge love, there's filio love, there's um, eros love, and then there's agape love. And all four different loves are seen all throughout the scriptures, and they all have different types of meaning to them. Philia love is brotherly love. Eros love is where we get the word erotic and kind of that sense of love. Um, agape love is the sacrificing, the self-sacrificing looking to the other person and, and putting their needs before ours, that's the type of love that God displays for us and for everybody. And that's the type of love that we're called to share with everybody else that, that we're in, and to have an, an encounter with, have a relationship with, whether it's marriage, whether it's, it's siblings, whether it's friendship, whatever it is, that type of love is the love to be displayed through us. The scripture says that the goodness of God leads, leads people to repentance. That God's goodness leads people into repentance, not condemnation, not conviction, not judging. It doesn't say any of those things. It doesn't say that preaching people the Old Testament law makes people repent. That might make people repent for a moment, but it's through guilt. It's through condemnation. The scripture says that only through the goodness of God is what leads people to repentance. And that goodness can be displayed through us, through love. That goodness is, is displayed through us. And like she said, love has been 
diluted. It's been perverted. It's been taken out of context all over the world today. And the rule of thumb that we as Christians have to have is whatever the world says is right. It's not right for us. And it's a little extreme. A lot of people don't think that way. A lot of people think, oh, well, the world, there's some good in the world. That good was taken from the Bible. (laughs) And then they've used it to their own advantage. Nothing, no moral, no ethic, nothing in this world uh, became as it is today through their own knowledge. Every good thing that the world has, every good ethic, every good moral derives from the word of God, but they've just diluted it and they've made it their own. Everything, everything that we ever, ever see in this world that's, that's labeled as good, it's taken from the word of God. And you can't reinvent the wheel, so they're not gonna reinvent love. They took love and they've made it what they've wanted it to be for themselves. And we even see this in, in dating. When you're dating somebody, I mean, you don't really love them. Because if you loved them, you'd marry them. Because dating sets a lot of people up for divorce. Because in that season of dating, what are you doing? You're testing out the waters, seeing if you're compatible. But the moment things get tough, you dip out and go to the next person. And so when you get married, everything is all nice and fine. But then the moment things get tough, all you're used to is going from relationship to relationship to relationship in your dating. That's not love. Love never fails. Never gives up. Never, ever fails. And so we're going to go through a lot of scriptures today just so you guys can see God's type of love. Our love that we should have through God and the love that God has for us. So, yeah, um, if you if you type in the the word love and look up all the scriptures that have that word in it, there's a lot. You know, the Bible talks about money a lot, but I think one of, if not the greatest topic that you can talk about is God's love, because like He said earlier, it empowers you. Mm-hmm. It's through His love that we can. You know, healing and faith and all of those um, topics are great, but if you don't have an accurate understanding of God's love, um, you will never meet your fullest potential in any of those areas because his love is what empowers us. So if you guys want to uh, turn to 1 John chapter 4, we're going to get into that because we know um, we look to scripture as our truth. And so what does scripture say love is? Um, So verse chapter 4, verse 7 Um, That's where we're going to start. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. That's a big statement right there. Um, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Skip to verse uh, 17. 
uh, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. We were saying that earlier. <laughs> There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Here's some water for that pill. <laughs> a big pill to swallow. Those are, those are bold words. Very bold, bold truths that if you don't, if you don't have love, you're not of God. If, you're, if you say you love your brother, but you don't, you're a liar. If you, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you don't love God. There's, there's, so, much, there's so much truth, nothing but truth in these scriptures. And I love that because this, this, is, this is the definition, one of the definitions of love, how to love people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that the scripture says, we love him because he first loved us. It's not because we know how to love or because we're perfect lovers. It's because he first loved us. He demonstrated love towards us. That's how we're able to love God is because he demonstrated his love towards us. In Romans chapter 5, Romans 5 chapter 8, or verse 8 says, But God shows his love clearly. And he proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. Therefore, since now we're justified, acquitted, made righteous, and brought into relationship with God by Christ's blood, how much more certain is it that we shall be saved by him from the indignation and wrath of God? He demonstrated, he clearly demonstrated his love towards us clearly demonstrated his love towards us and like i said earlier love it's not a it's not just a word it's not something you say it's something you do it's something that's shown and like john the third john was saying or first john was saying how can we say we love god if we're not displaying that love to others and let me make this clear. I mean, love is not acceptance. That's not what love is. Love isn't saying things that are wrong or right. That's not love. In fact, that's the opposite of love. That, that's loving yourself because you're too afraid of what they're going to think when you say something that, they don't, that they're not going to like. It's the opposite of love. True love tells people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And we see this all throughout Jesus' ministry, him saying, Literally, the, the scriptures had to say he loved him and said this. And whatever he said, that person was offended. That person, it was a hard saying. They went away sorrowful. Whatever it was, the scripture had to make it so clear that whatever Jesus was about to say, make sure you know he loved him. Because it was a hard saying. So love is not telling somebody what they want to hear but what they need to hear. And there's a gentleness about it. There's, there was no condemnation whenever Jesus did these things, ever. So there, there's not this harshness to it. It's, it's, it's learning how to speak the truth in love. That, that's what love is. It's, it's an act 
a demonstration. You, you probably have said, I love this cheesecake. Oh, I love this cookie. Oh, I love this movie. And then you go to your wife and you go, I love you, baby. Well, which is it? Do you love your cheesecake or do you love your wife? Because you can't love them both the same way. I feel that we've mis- misdefined or we've wrongly defined love. And although feelings are a part of love, they're not the definition of love. Because... If you base your love, it's so funny, we were watching a show the other night, we were binge watching, and one of the uh, characters, they're talking about how much they love someone, and, and they're like, love is only a feeling. And we looked at each other, and, and both like our, like our, our eyes like shot up, like, oh my gosh, no way. Because you see all throughout the show how much their life felt, like fell apart. Because it was, to them, love was strictly feeling. Hello? Uh oh. Check, check. We good? Check, check. Oh, All right, okay. there we go. Yeah, love is subjective. Yes. That is the word that I was trying to think of that the world, it's subjective. Whatever they feel, mm-hmm. there's no clear definition that the world can give you on what love is. And we know that scripture tells us God is love. Mm-hmm. And so if scripture goes to, goes and says that God is love, I think it's important that we know who God is. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, that the world doesn't know who he is because they don't accept him. And so um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think it's the love chapter. We all know that. Um, but I think it's, it illustrates clearly what love is. And um, I, I don't know if you guys have heard, but I've heard this said a lot every time I've heard a message preached on this um, chapter, but every time you hear the word love in this chapter, you can substitute it with God, because these are all clear illustrations of who God is. Um, so I'm reading from the Amplified Version, but um, if I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have faith so that I can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. The useless nobody. Even if I dole out all that I have, food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. So this is where we can substitute love for God's name. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily, It is not conceited, it is not rude, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. And if you skip later, it says, um, faith, hope, and love are very important 
but the greatest of all of those is love. Amen. And um, one of the biggest things I think we can pull from those scriptures is, number one, love is a choice. <laughs> it's a choice. Um, it's an action word. It's not a feeling. So the world gets it wrong. It's not a feeling. It is an action word. And like he said early in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved us, he sacrificed his son. So that's another thing that we can pick up from that is that love is a sacrifice. And I think too, we can see the words used there. He so loved us. You ever loved something? Anybody ever loved something? Maybe you loved like a, a toy when you were younger or you loved a pet. Now anybody ever so loved something? <laughs> so much different. You don't just love it. You so love, oh, I so loved that. I've seen a couple of movies in my life. I went to go see Spider-Man No Way Home last year. And I so loved that movie. I have a screensaver on my phone. I so loved it. It was a good, good movie. But it was a great movie. We'll, have a, we'll do a small group for Spider-Man. But it, there's a difference, a huge difference in loving and so loving something. You so loved something that you, you had to do whatever it took to, to get that or to please it or whatever. You so loved it. It's more than just, I, I, I like it. I loved it. Yeah, it was good. Oh, I so loved it. Huge difference. And it's so incredible to me that Jesus, this is one of the things that blows my mind about Jesus and God, is how he so loved the world but he so loved you. Out of all the people that have ever existed on this planet, from Adam to us and to the people to come, he so loved each and every one of them. The scripture says that, that he knows how many hairs are on your head, the number of hairs on your head. But let's take it a little further. Not only does he know the amount of hairs on your head, if one falls out, he knows which number that one is. That's how much he loves you. At the same time, he loves the entire world the exact same way. There's no partiality with God. There's no, he doesn't favor certain people. He loves everybody the same. How can anybody do that but God? I love that. Who is rich in mercy. He's so rich in mercy, and he demonstrates it to us all the time in our life. And I mean, my story alone, my, my bringing up and me before we got married, it's just there's this love all around my life that was demonstrated through, through her in my life. And I wasn't deserving of it. I wasn't, in my mind, I, I wasn't good enough for her. I thought, you know, I've been through too much. I've done too many things. I've said too much. I've, all of these things, you know, that you try to justify in yourself why you're not good enough for somebody or for something. And every single day, every, every time we had conversations, it was just love being displayed through her. Because there were moments where she did not feel love right <laughs> but she still went through 
And I've, I mean, I've been through past relationships before and I used to think it was love and I used to question why they failed. But then the scripture really turned on to me where it says love never fails. And the Lord told me if it failed, it wasn't love. If it failed, it wasn't love. And there's people who have gotten divorced and they've, they've left marriages and there's just been damage in their life and they just think, well, what happened? We loved each other. If it failed, it wasn't love. Because love never fails. It doesn't mean you didn't love. It doesn't mean there wasn't love there. It's just there wasn't love reciprocated to one another. She could love me all she wants. She can be there for me. She can she can cook for me. She can do all these things that demonstrates love towards me. Put, put my needs ahead of hers. But if tomorrow I decided to pack up my things and go and she had no say about it, it's not that love was gone on her part. It was gone on my part. And the reason why it fails is because love wasn't the center of it. Her love would be there, but love wasn't the center of it. And one of the best things you can do, and men especially men, is to love without fail. Love without fail. Things get tough. Love harder. Push harder. Because love never fails. It never does. Never fails. There's so much to talk about, love. Yeah, um, I mean, even in the, the verse, it says, it takes no account of the evil done to it. Mm-hmm. That means... Love isn't dependent on outside circumstances. It's not dependent on how someone treats you. Um, It shouldn't be dependent on anything other than love is a choice. Mm -hmm. God, like he said, and while we were still sinners, God sent his son to die for us. And I think a lot of us don't have an accurate representation of God's love for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I kind of grew up, you guys have heard a little bit of my story that I grew up not understanding grace and feeling guilt and condemnation every time I fell short, which was often. (laughs) But one of the greatest revelations I had was that God loves each and every one of us and nothing we could ever do would stop that love for us. It just goes on. I'm even the people that will never choose him. His love just goes on, and it never fails. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to realize. I mean, it's so great. Love is a topic, I mean, we're not just talking about married kind of love. This is, this is a topic that you can apply it to every, every person every. in your life, mm-hmm. to choose that person, to choose to love them, mm-hmm. regardless of what they do to you. And to keep no record, forgive and forget. Yeah. <laughs> Don't keep a record of it. And I I know a lot of the times married people kind of can grasp that a little better sometimes because um, it's a choice every day. Those puppy dog feelings, they they leave. (laughs) But what remains is a love that's so much greater and richer and never ending because you choose to love your spouse like Christ loves you. Absolutely. There's this, um, the funny story. Well, it's not funny, but it's a true story of um, this husband and wife who were having issues, and there was, it was bad. Abuse was happening, and, 
and the husband was violent and the wife was violent and there was just a lot of stuff happening in the marriage and um, long story short they had to call their pastor over to their house to kind of dispute the feud and kind of judge what to do and all of the friends of the wife and the neighbors of the wife and everybody who came because there was a big commotion were telling um, the pastor saying tell her to leave her husband tell her that she has every right to leave the husband tell her that, that he's no good and and she's been doing this to her he's been abusing her tell her it's okay to leave him and so the pastor looks at the woman the wife and and they're like well and he goes yep you have every right to leave your husband for what he's done and then he said but just because it's right doesn't mean it's the right thing to do just because you have the right doesn't mean it's the right thing to do and that's all he said and she that woman decided to stay with that husband and thick and thin everybody else was so mad at that pastor for telling that woman what he told her and long story short both that husband and the wife became God-fearing men and women and they loved the Lord together the relationship was completely restored because she chose to stay even in the, the hardest situation hardest situation that a lot of people it's it's I don't know but I'm not telling you what's the right thing what's the wrong thing I'm telling you what the scripture says love never fails and that person chose to stick it out through the worst of everything she stuck it out and because of it both of them their marriage was saved that they both had this revelation of the love of God and everything changed everything and it was nothing but but happy endings from there it was just so good and it's just crazy like that's the type of love that Jesus demonstrated because we are the bride of Christ I feel like we know we don't think about that as often as we should we don't think about the church and us being the bride of Christ being that intimate with him I mean you say the term daddy God and people flee because they don't like that uncomfortableness of relating to God as something so intimate like a child calls their father daddy we don't like that why because it's uncomfortable and the same thing with relating to us as the bride of Christ we're we're his bride men you're the bride of Christ don't let your masculinity stop you from realizing that you are the bride of Christ we are the bride of Christ and however Christ loved us is how we love people that's what the scripture says and what did he do he was spit on he was beaten he was mocked he was cursed he went through it all and he still loved us still loved us still decided at any point in time he could have decided not to do this he could have said they're not worth it God they've done too much not worth it I was talking to somebody right now we're, we're, gonna talk, we're talking about marriage right now we'll move on from marriage in a little bit but I was talking to somebody who was gonna divorce their um, their spouse and I told them what if Jesus was sitting across the table from you and he told you I'm done with you you've done too much You've, you've been through too much. You've hurt me too much. You've done enough. I'm done with you. So what would you do? And all they said was, well, I would suck. 
and they continued to proceed with the divorce. And that told me one thing and one thing only, they don't know the love. That's it. They don't know the love. They don't have a true revelation of God's love because that's the question we all are, all are faced with in marriage, in relationships, in everything. It's what if Jesus were sitting across the table from you telling you exactly what you want to tell somebody else? I'm done with you. I'll love you from a distance. What if Jesus did that? The scripture says to bless those that persecute you. Pray for those that, that persecute you and to bless them and to do all these great things. But how do you bless somebody that you don't talk to? How do you pray for someone that you don't even know what's happening in their life? Because you're loving from a distance. To me, that's an oxymoron. Now, there are times where you need to step back from certain people, but that doesn't mean you cut them out. It doesn't mean you withdraw your entire life from them. Some things just happen naturally. You, don't, you lose interest with each other. You, you have different likes and dislikes, and you guys just don't click anymore, and you don't, have, you don't have a relationship anymore. That's natural. But to put the wall up between somebody because they've offended you, or they've hurt you, or whatever the reason is, you've got to ask yourself that question. How would you feel if Jesus told you the same thing that you're telling them, right? And we don't like to face that conversation because it's, 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 it's eye-opening. It goes back to the scripture where it says, don't judge somebody for the splinter in their eye when you have a plank in yours. You got a big, massive plank that's sticking out of your eye and you're trying to help somebody else with a little tiny splinter. You got to look back at it. If, if, if whatever you're doing, you got to reevaluate. Is this, is this my love that I'm just trying to do? Or is this the love that's defined in the scriptures? That's the type of love it is. It's, it's selfless, completely selfless. Yeah, I think the self-love movement is one of the most damaging things that the world has come up with. It has damaged and perverted what love is. And I, I think a lot of Christians even follow it. And they, they like to use the scripture that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So they say, well, I have to love myself first if I'm gonna love my neighbor, right? No, <laughs> you don't have to learn to love yourself since you were a baby, since you were born. It's just come naturally that you put right. your, your own needs and your own desires above anyone else's, you know? The scripture is saying the, the same way that it comes so naturally for you to care for yourself, to feed yourself, that's how you should be loving your neighbor. It's not, I have to love myself first. And the self-love movement is, I'm gonna love myself first and choose myself at the expense of everyone else. Because if I don't love myself, how can I pour out love to others? And it's the exact opposite, actually. Right. You shouldn't even, Christ never considered himself. Mm -hmm. I love that the scripture says that it keeps no record of wrong, it keeps no account against you because it's that's it's very important to, to realize that because if you're keeping accounts on others it's because you don't realize that God has no accounts with you you and that's what the scripture says about forgiveness that if you if Jesus said it if you don't forgive my father in heaven will not forgive you you've got to learn how to forgive and 
from my interpretation and my understanding of scripture, those are the words of Jesus that if my if you do not forgive, my father cannot forgive you. My father in heaven can't forgive you because you haven't received his forgiveness. You, if you're not forgiving people, if you're not erasing those tabs, if you're not erasing those accounts, it's because you don't understand how you're forgiven and you won't receive that forgiveness. And when Jesus came to die, he, he forgave all the sins. They're already done. They're all, they're all forgiven, but just because they're forgiven doesn't mean you've received it. Doesn't mean you've received that forgiveness. And if you don't receive that forgiveness, you're just as good as, as someone who's under the law. Because to you, your sins aren't imputed. Or your sins are imputed. They're not, they're not forgiven. And without knowing that, you're, you don't know the love. You don't know, you don't know the love of Christ. And you can't demonstrate that. And I, I think that's just a sign of, if you don't understand those things, if you don't understand that God forgave you, God loves you currently as you are, if you don't understand that, you don't know the truth because the truth will set you free. It, that's its only job is to set you free. And if you don't, if you're not free from that, it's because you don't know it. You don't know that truth. So you got to get to know the love. You got to get to know that, that truth that God so loved you. And it says here in uh, Romans chapter 8, verses, verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It says, yet in all things, that's the wrong scripture on the screen. It says, yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Notice how it says we're, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're not more than conquerors in him who fought our battles. We're not more than conquerors in him who gave us power. We're not more than conquerors for any other reason, but for him that loved us. Through his love, we're more than conquerors. Conquerors with what? What, what are we conquering through this love? Perfect love casts out fear. Anything that comes our way, we don't have to be afraid of it because we know God loves us. What's the whole, what's the whole purpose of knowing God loves us? Why, do, why should we know God loves us? What's the benefit of God loving us? This Zoe life. He loved us to give us Zoe life. That's the reason why he loves us, to give us life. And through that love, through that understanding of God loving us, we know we have this access to Zoe life. It is a life more abundant. No more, no, nothing can, 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 destroy us anymore nothing can overcome us we are more than conquerors through him that loves us because we understand what power we have through that love amen, amen. faith only works through love scripture mm -hmm. says faith only works through love not in how much you can love god but in how much he loves you mm -hmm. that's how faith works that's the only way faith works yeah Love breeds trust, and I think that when we understand how much God loves us, it allows us to trust Him that, there it is. with our healing. Mm -hmm. Does God really want me well? He loves you so much. He died for you. Of course He wants you well. Does He want me to prosper? Of course He does. And I think that scripture, you can't have faith without understanding the, the love of God, because you can't, how can you trust Him with your healing, your prosperity, your children? 
there's a song that we listen to sometimes during our prayer time before service. And the song goes, if you only knew how I feel for you, you would wipe those tears away. If you only knew how much I loved you, you'd find only grace in my sight. If you only knew how much I loved you, God says. And that's what's the missing component is, is not knowing what love, how much God loves us. If you only knew, there's this man who, um, he had a, a disabled daughter and he would pray for her healing. He would take her to healing evangelists. He would do whatever he could do to get his daughter healed. And he was sitting in a service one time where a minister was talking about faith and appropriating faith and and speaking to the mountain and all those things and, and afterwards the service was over the man went up to the minister and said how dare you say these things like i've been doing all this stuff i've been saying these things and nothing's happening and and then he went on to say um that he would do anything anything for her daughter his daughter to be healed he would take he would take her sickness so that she could be healed and the minister looked at him and he said so you love your daughter more than God does? You'd do anything for your daughter, but you don't think God would? You're telling me you love her more than God loves her? And that's all he had to say. Throughout all the service, using scripture, using points, doing examples, everything he said at the very end, the only thing that touched his heart was you think God that you love your daughter more than God does. And it took him back. And he realized what he's been saying. I would do anything for my daughter because I love her so much. How much more does God love her? How much more would he do? How much more did he do so she would be healed? And when he unlocked that, he saw his daughter be healed Mm -hmm. because he unlocked that revelation that God loved her so much more than we could ever love anyone. Loves, loves them way more. And it's just so, it's so um, just eye-opening, understanding the love of Christ in that way, that God loves your daughter, God loves your son, God loves your parents, God loves, God loves who you love way more. And not just more, but perfectly, yeah. perfectly. And you don't think he's willing to do what you want to do for their healing, for their, for their breakthrough, for their restoration. He's done more. Done more. And that only comes through love. Yeah. Faith worketh through love. Yeah. Um, I just had the scripture. Um, Romans 13.10 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I, uh, I had this revelation. You know, we always think of Jesus. He was perfect. Um, and obviously, he never sinned. He, he fulfilled the law. I think sometimes we don't accurately grasp how he never sinned. You know, we think, oh, well, of course, he was God. But we know he was also fully man. Mm-hmm. He walked perfectly in the Holy Spirit. That's how he was not able to sin. But it was through love. Love was the motivating factor in how he was able to fulfill the law, both for our redemption, but just in general with not sinning. You know, when you look, think about the Ten Commandments, 
don't kill, don't steal, don't murder. Who can, who can list all of them? <laughs> no one. I'll give you $5. <laughs> we, we can't even list all of them. Don't covet your, uh, your neighbor's wife. You know, all of those things, you would never do those things if you could love your neighbor perfectly. And Jesus did that. You know, when you have an, ac- an accurate revelation of it, all of all of it, when he walked on earth, was motivated by love. Absolutely. Love is is such a powerful, the most powerful force. Mm-hmm. It's it's what drove him. In Hebrews, it says that the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and now is sat at the right hand of God. He he endured what he went through because of something set before him you know the scripture says that the joy of the lord is our strength right the joy of the lord is our strength which goes to show for me like joy is like something tangible if the joy of god is our strength it's something tangible so what is it what's the joy of the lord it's not it's not a feeling is what i'm trying to say it's the joy of the lord is not just a feeling God has, like God just feels joyful. No, joy from God is something tangible, something we can explain. If the joy of the Lord's our strength, what was the joy that was set before Jesus on the cross? Why did he go to the cross? What was set before him? Knowing that when he died and defeated death and sin and rose up from the grave, that he had bridged the gap between us and God. That relationship, that intimate relationship to know God and to know him thoroughly, that relationship, that bridge, that gap was finally bridged. That was the joy set before him. In a simple term, the joy set before Jesus was a relationship. Knowing that a relationship is going to be formed again. A relationship between us is going to be formed once again. That's the joy set before Jesus. So if the joy of the Lord's our strength, what's our strength? Our relationship with Jesus. That love we have with Jesus, the love that we that He has for us. We don't love Him because because we're good and lovely. We love Him because He's lovely. Because He gives us the, the grace to love Him. If we can't love Him perfectly, that's why the law was was written to show us we can't love God perfectly. Go back to the very first commandment ever given. No other gods before me, God said. On Mount Sinai, tells Moses to instruct these people with these Ten Commandments, have no other gods before me. But before he even gave the commandment, the people said, whatever you say, Lord, we got this. We can do this. And there's, I can go into this teaching so much more, but I don't have time to. But we see that all throughout the, the exodus from, from leaving Egypt to going to the promised land, God was with them. He had, a, he had mercy with them. He had grace with them. He was with them, a pillar of fire by night to light the way and a cloud by day. He was with them, walking through the wilderness. Then they get to Mount Sinai and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make these commandments. He gives them instructions and they say, before anything was even given to them, whatever you can tell us, we will do. And they had this pride about them. Whatever you say, God, we can do it. And you know what they're saying? They're saying, God, don't, don't love us anymore based off of your goodness. Love us and judge us based off of how good we do whatever you tell us to do. That's what they were saying. And now the law was introduced. 
All these commandments were introduced and we couldn't fulfill that. And then literally, as Moses comes down the mountain, these people built an idol because Moses was taking a little too long. You see how fragile our love is when it's in our own strength? There's no perfection in it. That's why Jesus gives us so much, so much grace when it comes to love. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the incircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, that was nailed, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's Colossians 2.13. He wiped out the handwriting of ordinances, of requirements against us. You know what that means? The law. He wiped it out. Because that's not how he wanted us to love him. Not through that. Because it was, it was imperfect. It was false love. It, you know what it was? You see, God gave us the free will to love him. Free will isn't free without a choice. And when he created Adam and Eve, he created this choice to eat the fruit and satisfy yourself. Or listen to me and love me live in freedom, live in this life, live in this perfect health, live, live forever with me in the garden or satisfy your flesh. That's, that's your desire. And he gave him that, that, that choice, that option. And really when we see the law come into place, we almost, we almost see free will leave because at this point, either you obey my commandments or you're dead. You obey these, you, or you obey my commandments or, or I, I'll kill you. Now, that's not really free will, if you think about that. And the same thing is true in relationships. Us people having these rules about ourselves, and you, you must respect me. Oh, you must do this. You must do that. We're setting up these ordinances, these handwritings of requirements against people. And we're not giving them the grace to love us, the free will to love us. We're making them love us. You know how you can be a good friend? You know what one of the best qualities of a good friend are a good family member is being easy being relaxed one of the hardest things that i i find myself dealing with is when with some of my friends god forbid i don't text them in a month and now i'm on their list because i don't know i have to text them all the time and it doesn't that doesn't bother me messaging people I, li I like talking to them but if i forget uh-oh i got I'm, I'm on their block chopping block now you got to be easy you've got to be a, a good friend someone who doesn't care about those things doesn't require you to follow those things in order for them to be your friend i was listening to pastor jeremy pearson's and he was talking to a buddy of his and it's been a while since they've messaged each other and so he's messaging him and he's saying, hey man, he's like, I'm so sorry. I haven't messaged you in a couple of weeks. It's been really busy. I've been doing this. Just explaining why he's of his absence. And his friend texts back. He says, it's all good. We ain't dating. <laughs> and he goes, what do, you, what do you mean by that? He goes, 
you have no obligation to me. We're just friends. We're chill. We're buddies. I don't expect you to call me every single day. Why? Because he's easy. And he went on, he went on to say, he's like, that's one of my best friends. It's because he doesn't get offended by those little things. What was love saying? It says, love doesn't get easily offended. It always believes the best. Always. Anytime someone wrongs you or maybe does something that kind of hurts you a little bit, Mm -hmm. love always believes the best. You know, it hurt me, but I know their intention probably wasn't to hurt me. They love me. I don't need to get offended. I'm going to believe the best that it wasn't their intention. You believe the best about everyone. Mm -hmm. It's ready to believe the best of every person and endures everything without weakening. I love that. It endures everything without weakening. Your life should not fall apart because your best friend didn't text you today. (laughs) That's not love. That's not love. If you want to text people all the time, that's fine. But I'm just saying, don't be hard. Don't be that friend. Don't be that family member that whenever you're around, everyone has to walk on eggshells. That's not love. I was that person. I'm probably, I, I don't know if I am anymore. Y'all, everyone be quiet. Don't say amen to this one. But I used to be that. I used to be someone you have to walk on eggshells with. You never knew what mood I was going to be in. Now I'm just in no mood all the time. So I leveled out. I learned that from my wife. You know, when I first met her, I, you know when you try to like read somebody, you're trying to like kind of read how they're feeling and kind of gauge their emotions? I did that with her for so long, just trying to read her, understand her. But I was just talking to my father-in-law uh, like a couple weeks ago about this exact same thing. And I was like, you know what I finally figured out about her? Just barely, after being married to her and everything. I finally figured out there's nothing to read <laughs> because she's not playing games one day she's not mixed with emotions and frustrated and, and upset and just in a bad mood and then the next day she's happy-go-lucky. She's always the same. Always the same. And I never have to guess. I tried guessing. Oh, is she upset? Oh, is she angry? Is she happy? Because I, I, I try to read people. But she always displays the same thing. She displays love. And it helped me a lot stop figuring that out. It helped me ease that worry of is she upset unless i'm totally wrong i don't know now i'll tell you if i'm upset yeah she'll tell me i won't say i'm fine if i'm not exactly but that's just something that i appreciate about her so much is because she's she's very transparent with me she doesn't hide certain things she'll tell me and i don't have to guess if she's in a good mood or a bad mood because she just displays who she is is I've been trying to do that myself. Trying to level out myself and not be that angry person all the time that, oh no, Matthew came around. Don't talk to him. So that's what love, that's what some of the qualities of love is. It's not, it's not someone who's difficult. You have to walk around. Be easy. Be a good friend. Be easy. This isn't in, in our notes. If you want to just jump in at any point, you can. But I want to share Jesus' 
demonstration of love with his disciples. And I, I, we've, we probably have seen this so many times coming to church and hearing the word. But it's in, in John 14 through 15, all of those, those chapters. And you see what Jesus says in, in chapter 14 there's this progression of words he's saying. And he says, These things I've spoken to you, being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things to bring to remembrance and bring to remembrance all things that I've said to you. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So there's, there's one critical thing right here. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then we skip down to chapter 15. And he's talking about abiding in me. Abide in me and I in you for you'll bear much fruit. A branch can't bear fruit without abiding first in the vine. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire. It will be done to you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Bear much fruit. Then he goes to verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you so we get this idea that jesus loved us by dying on the cross as the father loved me i have loved you he he hasn't gone to the cross yet i have loved you so all throughout his ministry we can see how jesus loved it wasn't just dying on the cross that was the grand finale of his love for us But all throughout his ministry, there was love. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So there's my love now. You have my peace, my love. Just if I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then he says, these things I've spoken to you, that your joy may remain in you. That your joy may be full. That my joy, I'm sorry, may remain in you. So there's my peace. There's my love. And then there's my joy. All these coming from the Lord. It says, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. The word lay down. I want to take you to one more scripture that demonstrate his love. And if we go backwards a little bit, I know there's, you're not going to have the scriptures on the screen. In John chapter 13, in John chapter 13, the scripture says this in verse 2, Supper being ended, the devil had already put into his heart Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he had come from God and he was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And he wiped them with the towel with which he was girded. There's two words in here. He rose from the supper, 
he laid aside. Laid aside. He, we have this picture of Jesus taking off his, his garment, folding it up, and putting it aside. He puts it aside to put on the towel of a servant to serve his disciples, to love his disciples. And that word laid aside is the same word. No greater love is this, that one lays down his life for a friend. Laying aside your wants for a friend. Putting aside your desires for somebody else. That's the greatest love that we could ever display is laying aside, putting away. And it's funny because we see this word lay aside. It's the Greek word tithemi, T-I-T-H-E-M-E, tithemi. Let's separate it. Tithe me. And the word has absolutely no correlation to the word tithe. But in that word, lay aside, lay down, you find those words, tithe me. Put a part of myself aside for somebody else. That is love. That's agape love. The love that Jesus says is the greatest of all, laying yourself aside. And I think it's easier said than done. But we can all agree, I would, I would die for my wife. I would die for you. I would take a bullet for you. I would die for Jesus. I would, I would be killed if I had to confess Jesus. And if there was a gun at my head, I would confess him, even if that meant dying. But Jesus isn't asking you to die for him. He's asking you to live putting aside every day. I'm, I may, I may want to die for her, but if I'm not living for her, if I'm not putting my wants, my desires away every day for her, it's not love. Not love. And I think that's the greatest love right there is when we lay ourselves aside. We become servants for people. We're here to serve not to be served. We're in this earth to serve, not to be served. And that's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, because this is the kingdom, putting yourself aside for someone else, because your, your needs, he knows them all. Your desires, he knows them all, and he will give them to you. Don't worry about yourself. Don't worry about, about yourself and we often do that too much. We worry about our, ourselves and worry about, what am I going to get out of this? Don't worry. Do not worry. Anything else you want to throw in No, there? it just kind of reminded me of a show we were watching, another one that we were binging. Um, there's, there's the one friend that is always there for her friends. She's always the one, she's like the backbone of the whole town. And one of her friends says, you know, you should start, you know, maybe taking care of yourself. You know, how are you going to take care of others? She said, no, if I'm busy taking care of others, I don't have to worry about taking care of myself because they'll take care of me. 
And I think it's almost the same thing, you know, spend our lives caring for each other. Don't right. worry about yourself. Don't worry about caring for you. God's got you. He's going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. He has you. Absolutely. Spend your life caring for your neighbor. And that's the whole reason why we talk about love. You know, I hear all the time with Christians, God loves me. God still loves me even if I do this and do that. Yes, he loves you. And that's absolutely true. But the whole reason why we have this whole revelation of God's love for us is so that we can be empowered to love our neighbor. That's what this is all about. It's not just to hoard all of his love for ourselves it's to pour it out on our neighbors yeah that's the whole reason of for the gospel mm-hmm. and i think that's 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 where you see a lot of power on display is when people are loving each other we see in, in the book of acts how all the people they were the, the scripture says they were all in one accord with each other all in one accord, sharing with one another. Not concerned of their own stuff, but sharing with one another what they had. And they all had possessions in common. They shared it all. That's love. You're, you're, you're in one, you're in unity with somebody. You're partnering with them. You're loving on them. They're loving on you. You're, you're meeting each other's needs in the church. That's love. And that's where we see this demonstration of, of, of the Holy Spirit working through the church is when everybody is in unity with love. Mm-hmm. Unity in love. Love for one another. Being there for one another. One of the things that we'd never want this church to ever become is a place for you to get something out of. We want you to come to this place so you can pour into somebody. Amen. You know... You might have come for service, and you might have been through the been sitting here through the whole message. You might have been through been here through all of worship, and stayed through all of service. But if you if you leave this place after everything is said and done, and you have yet to fellowship with one another, you left early. I don't care if you stay till twelve thirty like we're going to do right now. <laughs> if you don't take the time to fellowship to encourage somebody, to edify someone, to love on somebody here, you left early. I don't care how long you stayed here. That's the whole point of the church, is to edify each other, to love on each other. Someone has a need, you help them. You help them. We've had people come here who had something that they needed in their life to get themselves to a next step. And we gladly give to them not out of our ministries, out of us, out of our own account, because we want to help them. We want to be there for them. That's what the body of Christ is for, helping one another, being there for one another, loving one another. That's the purpose. And I hate to plug this, but one of the best ways to do this is in small groups, because that's where you're most intimate with people. That's where you're, you're around people that are in it for the same reasons. You know, a lot of people go to church, but not many people go to small groups. Only the people who really want to dig in deeper go to small groups. Because it's not enough for Sunday. They, they don't, they don't, they're not satisfied with a Sunday. They want more. So they keep coming back. And they keep getting plugged in. They keep getting plugged in. They keep getting plugged in. But you've got to make the decision to love people. Not to worry about yourself first. To love others. Because that'll be reciprocated to you. 
Every seed produces after its own kind. You plant the seed of love, guess what's coming back? Love. Love, love, love. Amen.